0: welcome to the tip of the spear it's my mission to honor the ways of our ancestors by putting back in what the modern world left out to return our people back to strength health and happiness i'm your host ben johnson and i know from decades of my own suffering that our decisions around food movement environment and community can unlock vibrant health the kind of health that enables us to realize our fullest potential I'm here to push back against the institutions of the modern world and remind you that you are the sole descendant of the genus Homo, the baddest mammalian predator that ever lived, and that the default state of your being is health. Our forefathers possessed a level of resilience and problem solving that shames our safe space, everyone's a winner, nonsense-laden culture of today. It's time we acknowledge the wisdom of our ancestors and use it, along with technology, to bring about heaven here on earth. I'm here to show you how to put back in what the modern world left out, to return you to your birthright of strength, health, and happiness. Jambo Sana, my friends, welcome to episode two of The Tip of the Spear, where we're going to talk about sleeping. I'm going to talk about, more accurately, sleeping like a rock. As I mentioned in the first episode, the next nine episodes will double-click on each of the nine ancestral living tenants as articulated by Brian Johnson, the liver king, at Ancestral Supplements. Uh, we're going to just deep-dive on each one of these tenants that will help you align your life with the expectations of your biology and your physiology to manifest the best version of yourself. So much of the modern world is misaligned with... The evolutionary expectations of our beings and a lot of the dysfunction that we experience in health and emotions and spirituality comes from that misalignment and can be corrected as I have discovered and demonstrated in my own life, even in the face of genetic deficiencies to to be the best version of yourself and have you feeling like a badass day in and day out. So uh, we're going to talk about sleeping like a rock. What is sleep? Why is it important? (laughs) I think we all know what sleep is. Um, but I, I know that we belittle its importance as a society today. There is a lot of momentum. I would like to believe there's a lot of momentum helping people realize the importance of sleep, but there's not enough, and that's why we're, we're out here preaching the message and uh, helping you realize the importance in, in your life in the way that it can help you be a better version of yourself. So sapiens, you know, our um, class of mammals, spend a third of our lives sleeping, That's an enormous portion of the time we have on this rock, and it's indicative of how important sleep is to functioning optimally or at a high level as we're here uh, spinning around the sun. Sleep's the foundation upon which we build a healthy lifestyle that can unlock the best version of ourselves, which is the ultimate goal of this forum and the podcast, and that's why I'm excited to start with Sleeping Like a Rock as the first tenet that we discuss. I see a lot of headwinds to sleep. You know, the the villain of the modern world that is centered around a hustle culture and hyper-caffeinated and stimulant-fueled, quote, productivity. You know, I'll sleep when I'll die. Um, just nonsense. It makes it seem that productivity and social engagement at work and with our friends and you know, people that we want to consider our peer groups at the bars or wherever we like to go on the weekends is more important than sleep. We chalk our plates full. I've done this myself with, you know, waking up in the morning, rushing out the door to get to work, trying to get a workout in, hanging out with my friends for drinks in the evening, trying to wrap up work or other, you know, life deliverables in the evening, and then trying to squeeze whatever bit of sleep I can in the margins. And I've seen multiple people in my immediate circle and more broadly demonstrate that same lack of prioritization to sleep. We prioritize the other buckets in our life, you know, work, relationships, hobbies, and we minimize the importance of sleep, and I think that I know that we have it exactly backwards. That prioritizing sleep and getting restful, nourishing sleep day in and day out will allow you to function at a higher level across those other buckets in your life and experience more fulfillment because you show up ready to engage and be the best version of yourself, emotionally, physically present, intellectually, you know, firing on all cylinders and able to be the most potent version of yourself day in and day out. So sleep, I mean, the the consequences of poor sleep and consistently poor sleep are almost hard to believe. You know, if you go more than two or three days without sleep or with very little sleep, it's been demonstrated clinically that people have mental breakdowns. They have psychotic breaks. They become literally crazy people as defined by uh, psychiatric um, clinical guidelines. Studies have shown that consistent sleep of four to six hours So a shortened sleep cycle or a poorly prioritized and executed sleep schedule has been shown to increase your risk of high blood pressure and obesity. It increases your risk of type 2 diabetes. It impairs your insulin signaling and glucose metabolism, which ties in with that increased risk of type 2 diabetes. It increases your inflammation. If you're a guy, it decreases your testosterone levels and it decreases your fat loss and it results in less lean body mass when dieting, even when food is identical. So this is a fascinating one. You know, they've taken folks, they've separated them into two groups. One group sleeps a full eight plus hours a night. The other group sleeps anywhere from five to six hours. They feed them the exact same food, they expose them to the exact same activity levels, and the group that is getting less sleep has more fat and less lean body mass, which is your metabolically healthy and productive tissue. Their basal metabolic rate is lower, Uh, it's, it's profound the impact that poor sleep has on your biology, your physiology, and your ability to kick ass every day. So I want to talk briefly about the barriers that exist in our modern world to us getting nourishing sleep every day. And then I'll highlight the best practices that ancestral living shows to us or has demonstrated that we can implement today today to make sure we're getting the best sleep that we possibly can and setting ourselves up for success uh, when that alarm clock goes off or ideally when your natural circadian rhythm or light exposure from your windows wakes you at the same time every day. So in the modern world, it's tough to prioritize sleep. It's tough to align your circadian rhythm with the expectations of your biology because of the misalignment of our environment and what our body expects. One of the things that we're subjected to constantly now is blue light, artificial blue light through screens on our computers, our cell phones, our televisions, street lights, fluorescent lighting in our apartment buildings and our offices. We're always exposed to blue light, and blue light is an input that our body associates with early morning light. It thinks, oh, my gosh, there's some blue light entering my retina, hitting my super." Cosmatic nucleus and signaling that it's time for me to wake up and be productive it's time for me to go hunt to gather food to take care of my my family and spend time with my friends and that signal that's present all throughout the day and even at night as we sit in bed I, it, doom scrolling is a hilarious and depressing phenomenon where people are just sitting in bed just scrolling their social media apps or whatever their dopamine snack of choice is on their phone and their their eye is ingesting this light and signaling that like, hey, it's time for you to be awake and be alert and be ready to take action when really you're trying to, to turn off and go to sleep. So tangentially, something you can do, please, if you are on your phone at night, um, there's a Flux is a great application for iPhone and Macs. I think it might even be on Android uh, where you can turn down or you can turn off the blue light in line with your clock, your local time, so that your phone and your computer only give you blue light when you would also be receiving it in the environment. There's also some settings in your iPhone and Android where you can turn on your eye, sh- eye shield uh, and limit that blue light exposure. So as a first step, please please do that. <laughs> There's also some really cheap UVX glasses that I'll talk about later. You can get them off Amazon for nine bucks. They block all the blue light. There's also a, a lot more many more stylish alternatives uh, that will block blue light as well. All of those work well, but you know, as we're ticking off the barriers, so blue light is a huge one. Second one is a lack of early morning sun exposure. The same way that our cell phones and our televisions are signaling to our brain to be alert, early morning sun exposure, which is the most beautiful (laughs) full spectrum of light that we have evolved with for millions of years, is a the most profound signal to your circadian biology to say hey here it's the beginning of the day let's start to turn on our organs our digestive systems our sympathetic nervous system let's release some cortisol let's get a little stressed so that we can get up we can get moving and we can get the shit done that we need to during the day so that lack of early morning sun exposure you know i for years i was living in seattle I would wake up, especially in the wintertime, it would be pitch black outside, I would leave my apartment, and I would walk or ride the bus into work, and then I would sit down and work inside all day, and I I would never see the sun. It was always screens and artificial light from fluorescent lighting, and there was so little sun, true sun exposure to my eyes and to the circadian cells or the receptors um, that signal to your circadian system that it needs to, to turn on when, when the day begins. And I know that that's common for a lot of folks, You know, whether you're in the car with your sunglasses on or uh, whatever your day looks like, it's important to prioritize that early morning sun exposure and the lack of early sun exposure is a big part of why we have a hard time as a people regulating our sleep cycle and getting nourishing sleep on a consistent basis. Uh, low vitamin A and magnesium are another barrier to good sleep vitamin a is essentially a hormone (laughs) it's um enormously influential in vision but it does a lot more including regulating our genes and setting our circadian rhythm when that blue light from sunshine enters our eyes vitamin a is what is responsible for translating it into a signal that tells our brain it's daytime Uh, when that signal wanes or when that blue light stops interacting with vitamin A in our supercosmetic nucleus, our body realizes, okay, the sun is setting. It's time for me to turn off and get ready to sleep. So it means that real vitamin A in the form of retinol, um, important side, sidebar here, uh, vitamin A, some people think that you can get vitamin A from plants. Uh, Beta carotene is what is found in plants, and our bodies are required to, con- to convert or they're required to go through an enzymatic process to convert beta carotene into a bioavailable form of vitamin A. I know personally, as someone of Eastern European descent, what I an interesting discovery I made when I did the 23andMe uh, genome sequencing and then took my raw data from 23andMe and put it in Prometheus to kind of get a more comprehensive understanding of my single nucleotide polymorphisms and kind of the barriers that I was up against. I, deter- I discovered that I have a double allele mutation that prevents my body's ability to convert beta carotene into vitamin A. So despite the fact that I was eating all these plant foods that had high levels of beta carotene and I thought I was doing what I needed to raise my vitamin A levels to you know, clinically significant and even optimal levels, they were always low on my blood work and I couldn't figure out why. And then when I got this... Um, genome sequence and these updated results from some free tools online it was like holy shit like no wonder i've never had a meaningful vitamin a concentration in my blood work so it really highlights the importance of and i'm not alone in that there are lots of folks who are inefficient at converting beta carotene into vitamin A. So what you really want to prioritize is the bioavailable form of vitamin A called retinol. And this form of vitamin A is only found in animal foods. It's particularly dense in liver and organs, and it's hugely important to the overall symphony that is your body. So uh, vitamin A plays a crucial role in interpreting that signal of blue light and signaling to our circadian biology that it's time to wake up or it's time to turn off and sleep throughout the day. And secondly, magnesium is an essential mineral. There's been a lot of talk in the health space about this lately, but I'll repeat it. Um, essential mineral with numerous, numerous roles in the, bo- in the body. Magnesium is essential for the synthesis of DNA and proteins, for the generation of energy, and for specific actions in different organs such as the eyes. It directly impacts over 300 enzymes that are dependent on magnesium for proper function. And those include um, enzymes that regulate our circadian rhythms. So vitamin A and magnesium, or more accurately said, low levels of vitamin A and magnesium are also a massive barrier to optimal sleep in the modern world more than half of americans don't meet the average requirement for vitamin a and magnesium through diet and again as i mentioned worse yet when it comes to vitamin a a good chunk of most people's comes from these precursor beta carotene and our ability to convert those into real vitamin a is really genetically dependent and in my own case and um many others, it's lacking. (laughs) So retinol, vitamin A is hugely important. The next one is EMFs, uh, electromagnetic frequencies. I, you know, as I mentioned in kind of my like about me story in episode one, I really belittled the importance of EMFs in my overall lifestyle and health management because it seems kind of fringe and it's out there like, man, I don't know, technology's awesome. (laughs) It's hard to accept that These EMFs that are omnipresent in our Wi Fi and our smart homes and all of our connected devices may negatively impact our biology, but they do. And and I can tell you that one of the most amazing components of my healing journey has been my quality of sleep and the vivid nature of my dreams when I'm in an environment that's completely free of EMFs. I sleep much more deeply. I wake up feeling more rested and I have written and journaled on a number of dreams that have helped me like really kind of uncover and process what I would say has been lingering baggage in my life that I, I, like when I was in Seattle, I I don't think I had a memorable dream. I never remember waking up for over a year outside of when I was camping (laughs) uh, out in the wilderness, remembering my dreams. So EMFs are are huge. Um, And they're particularly um, intrusive in our modern day world because we're always on our cell phone. Like I know so many people, myself included historically who sleep with the cell phone right next to your head. You know, I would wake up when people would text me. My, my phone is constantly pinging the, the wifi carrier to update the data feeds of the applications that I still have open and yada, yada. Like it's always on. It's right there by my head. And I know that it's a common occurrence in people's lives because of our dependence on the dopamine snacks that we find through our cell phones. So there's three cell phones for every human. um, And our reliance on electricity is enormous and it's brought a lot of conveniences, technology has, but it's not been without a cost. And it's one that we belittle as a society out of a desire to prioritize that convenience and information access. And it's one that I personally wanna make sure I do a good job articulating and spreading uh, because it's had such a profound impact on my own personal journey. So EMS also are a big barrier to sleep. If your cell phone's in your room, if your computer's in your room, if you've got a bunch of outlets in your room that have appliances or you know lamps or other things that are plugged into them that are pulling electricity out into the room, that will also negatively impact your sleep. So it's another barrier from the modern world. And the last one is temperature. Um, there's more, but I'm going to focus on temperature. We need cold conditions to sleep. Our Our core body temperature drops as our body enters this parasympathetic state as we go through our sleep architecture. Uh, Tangentially, there's four stages of sleep. Stage one is the, what I'll call the drifting off period. It's very short. It lasts five to 10 minutes. It's right as you're falling asleep and your body's saying like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to rest in a safe environment and deal with the accumulated damage throughout the day. Stage two is a slightly deeper stage of sleep where again your body is falling into a deeper state of relaxation and starting to turn on the the turnover processes where your body's cleaning out metabolic waste and integrating inputs from the day whether that be you know what you've learned the movement patterns you've you've taken under or you've taken on uh, in a variety of different things stage three is the deep sleep or slow wave sleep this is You know, the the magic sauce, as I'll call it, because it's where your body is able to do a lot of the deep work that it needs to recover from the burdens of the day. And then stage four is REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, where you're starting to dream. Your brain is starting to turn back on as shown through, you know, active brain scans of sleep studies where you have brain activity, your eyes start to move. Your lungs have more movement and you're breathing deeper. Your heart rate starts to increase a little bit and we can see from the neural activity that your brain is is dreaming. I, I love seeing my dog, Maya, when she's in REM sleep. She'll sit there and she like kind of barks a little bit in her sleep. Her little paws start twitching. She's burp, burp, burp. I just imagine that she's running through a field, you know, living her best life chasing cows and horses, uh, which I learned she loves to do recently. So REM sleep is that fourth stage. So there's four stages of sleep. The first three are non-REM stages. The last stage is REM. And the way that our body cycles through sleep is we enter stage one, stage two, stage three, and then stage four, and then we cycle back to stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four. We get the majority of our deep sleep in that stage three in the first sleep cycle and the second sleep cycle of the night. And for every subsequent sleep cycle, for most people, there's three or four sleep cycles per night. Your duration of stages two and three get shorter and your duration of stages one and four, you're light and less quote, productive, not that REM is not productive because REM sleep is productive in different ways, but those lighter sleep stages get longer as you progress through your sleep architecture throughout the day. So temperature is an important component of that because as your body is cycling through stage one, stage two, stage three, your body temperature is dropping. And the best, the better job that you can do aligning your environmental temperature with that decreasing core body temperature, the deeper your sleep will be and the more rested and recuperated you will feel when you wake up. So temperature is one that we should be able to control easily with uh, air conditioning, but I think it's something that people belittle the importance of just out of uh, a lack of understanding, so it's also a barrier um, to sleep. So to, to recap, you know the barriers that uh, the modern world presents to us for optimizing our sleep include, but are not limited to, artificial blue light all the time. We're on cell phones, we're on computers, we're on TVs. Uh, We have a lack of early morning sun exposure, which is the most potent signal to our circadian rhythm when that early morning sun, which is, you know, a beautifully orchestrated and synchronized signal to our biology that's interpreted through cells in our eyes in a or involved with vitamin A to signal to our circadian biology to, to turn on and wake up. That lack of early morning sun exposure coupled with low vitamin A and magnesium, which again are two critical micronutrient components to the functioning of our circadian biology. They create a difficult environment for us to get the sleep that we need. And then electromagnetic frequencies that are just like constantly and silently and almost imperceptibly punching us right in the gut and in the brain and all over our body all the time. Um, that makes it difficult as well. And then finally, temperature. So after kind of recapping the barriers that we have and the importance of sleep in optimal performance across all areas of our life, you know, again, I think a lot of us have it exactly backwards where we prioritize work and social engagement and fit sleep in in the margins. We would be much better off if we prioritize sleep and then allow our, the best versions of ourselves To move through those work and social and emotional engagements, you know, feeling rested, refreshed, and firing on all cylinders, we would have a better quality of life. We would have less disease, less emotional burdens of anxiety and depression, and just general dysfunction from our body because we're getting restful sleep and we're recovering from the damage and burdens of each day. So now I want to talk about what does the ultimate ancestral guide to sleep look like? What can you do to? optimize your sleep and make sure that you're waking up ready to kick ass and take names day in and day out. And this is a, a counterintuitive point. It may not be given the, the diatribe I've already gone on about early morning sun exposure, but the most important thing to do to optimize your sleep starts first thing in the morning, right when you wake up and that's go outside and be exposed to the light. Even if it's cloudy, even if you're in Seattle, like I was get outside, even you know when there is cloud cover and let your eyeballs Eat that, eat that light from the sun, let your vitamin A um, ab- absorb that light and signal to your biology that it's time to produce cortisol, it's time to wake up, it's time to remove melatonin from the bloodstream and um, get ready to, to tackle the day. So early morning sun exposure is huge. You gotta maximize sun exposure early in the morning and then reduce that exposure throughout the day to entrain your circadian rhythms with the natural day cycles of where you're living so that means no sunglasses in the early morning sun. You know, don't obviously look directly at the sun, but you should be looking at the at the horizon. You should be taking in these landscape views where the light is coming from above your eyes. It's signaling to these lower receptor cells in the bottom of your eyes that the the sun is up. It's time to move, it's time to hunt, it's time to gather and it's time to bond with the people that are meaningful and that you love. And again, like the other cool thing too is Tangential here, but this is the way my brain works. Morning sun is also um, more infrared and it's a better melanin signal. So, if you're a pasty white guy like me, naturally, getting out in the morning sun with your shirt off and being exposed to that great circadian signal and also the more intense infrared light that signals to the melanin production cells in your skin, it also helps you tan better. So it increases your tolerance for sun exposure later in the day it helps you look better it increases your vitamin d and it signals to your circadian rhythm that it's time for you to get up and get shit done Uh, it's so good in so many ways and it's also enjoyable you know take your shoes off go for a walk get some grounding you know connect with the earth and ingest or digest those beautiful rays from the sun early in the morning to tell your body like hey uh, let's get up and let's get moving. You want to aim for at least 30 minutes of exposure each morning. And this is great to pair with physical activity, whether that's a walk or jump roping or, you know, some burpees and push-ups and air squats, anything you want to do to get your body moving um, while you're ingesting that sunshine is a great idea. The second point is to stay moving throughout the day. It's important that our body experience significant or sufficient physical stimulus during the day so that when we want to turn off at night we have burned calories and we've created a physical debt that we're ready to pay through sleep so you know our ancestors they never sat at their desk for eight hours or 10 or 12 hours you know depending on how demanding your job is and where you're at in your your work life cycle but that never happened right they were out gathering they were spending time with friends they're going on walks they're physically exerting themselves it wasn't You know, and I've been guilty of this where I sit and I work all day and I think that like, oh, I'm going to go work out really hard for 90 minutes and that's going to meet my movement quota. And that's better than not working out for 90 minutes. But ideal state, you want to, you know, get some frequent walks in. You want to break up that sedentary cycle with regular movement, whether that's walking. Ideally, that is walking. That's also some strength training, some resistance training. Maybe it's playing sports. Maybe it's doing yoga, mobility work. Uh, whatever your flavor is, you know, make sure that you're getting consistent and variable movement throughout the day. The 10,000 step goal is a popular one that I think is, is effective because it's a considerable amount of walking. It takes discipline and effort to reach that minimum threshold. And it does kind of quantify a sufficiently active lifestyle. That's about four miles of walking in total. Uh, if you walk for 20 to 30 minutes, In the morning, uh, you know, after lunch and after dinner, you'll be pretty stinking close to that, and you'll be feeling much better when you try and turn off at the end of each day. Uh, The third point for an ancestrally optimized sleep cycle is connecting with the earth. You know, the earth's surface possesses a limitless supply of electrons that interact with our internal bioelectrical environment for normal functioning. Um, That's a complicated way to say that, like, our body is always producing ions, and when we come in direct contact with the earth we're able to kind of cycle these negative ions off into the earth and help optimize our electrical environment uh, and feel the best so our ancestors were always connected to the earth right they didn't have shoes they weren't riding around in cars there wasn't blacktop everywhere and they they just experienced a much more profound connection with the earth and its energy um you know it's I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've heard of earthing or grounding, and all it requires is putting your feet on the ground outside, sitting or sleeping on grounding sheets. Um, these are specific sheets that help connect you directly to uh, the ground you can google it they're they're super helpful um, and sleeping grounded is is a great way to really optimize that crucial portion of uh, you know your your life again you spend a third of your life sleeping it makes sense to have a good mattress make sure you're connected to the earth and control your environment in a rigorous way so that you're getting the most restful and recuperative sleep that you can so early morning sun exposure stay moving connect to the earth and then limit blue light at night you know i talked a lot about this on the barriers and the impact of blue light to our circadian biology and the fact that it's kind of omnipresent these days our ancestors didn't stay awake very long after the sun went down when they were awake, they had fire, which is all red light there 's no blue light and they never they didn 't have this like technological convenience so given that we can't take away technology today, the easiest way to solve this problem is uh, Uvex glasses they 're super cheap they're nine bucks on amazon um, We've given away tons of pairs at ancestral supplements to our customers who have struggled with sleep and all of them consistently say, not all of them, but most of them who continue the conversation consistently say that that it improves their sleep quality. I'm wearing a pair right now as I'm doing this podcast. I've got my computer open in front of me. I've got my salt lamp on on the corner of my desk. So I really have like my environment pretty well controlled. I have flux Uh, the blue light limiting application on my MacBook. But still, I want to block all the blue light. So as soon as the sun goes down, I put these UVX glasses on and I know that my retina, my suprachiasmatic nucleus is receiving no blue light and there's no way for it to say, um, damn, it's morning. Like, let's get up and get to work. There is some research that says, you know, the the closer that you can have to zero light after the sun is set, uh, the better. And that's true, but that's a more difficult lifestyle change to make. So to start, you know, just limit the blue light at night. Um, Use Himalayan salt lamps at Sunset instead of regular lighting. Um, And more broadly, you want to use red dominant lights, sources that have no blue light. So that's candles, firelight, Himalayan salt lamps. And there's a lot of other lights. If you just Google uh, red light or no blue light lighting, there's a lot of options out there. You know, pick whatever suits your fancy and just do your best to limit that blue light exposure. And then the UVX safety goggles for at least two hours before going to bed, they're nine bucks. They make all the difference. If you're not going to do anything else that I talked about in this podcast, just do the blue light glasses and see how much better you feel. Uh, The next is limit EMFs. So I use an EMF meter to make sure there's no electrical fields around my sleep environment. I make sure my head's not by an outlet and (laughs) <laughs> Part of my uh, baptism into ancestral living, you know, which if you haven't listened to the first episode, really resulted in complete remission of debilitating Crohn's disease for me, um, has been optimizing my sleep environment for EMFs. I thought Barbara... Brian's wife was crazy when she would go out and she would find the breaker she has all the switches labeled for all of the bedrooms in the house and she turns turns them off at night there's no electricity at the outlets you know the air conditioning is still running in the house so the temperature is good but there's zero EMFs in in the bedroom and again I saw immediate improvement in my sleep quality uh, remarkable improvement in my dream quality the remembrance of my dreams and my ability to reflect on them and you know, more esoterically kind of integrate these repeated themes and uh, behavioral patterns that I demonstrated in dreams into how I was not moving through the world in a way that I wanted to. So limited EMFs is a huge one. Um, turn off the Wi-Fi. You know, I don't have Wi-Fi, but I know you do. <laughs> so turn it off. It's great to put it on a timer uh, that just cuts off at whatever your bedtime is at night. It will also help you, if your phone is on Wi-Fi, to do less doom scrolling and just be gorging on dopamine snacks before you go to bed. So turn off the Wi-Fi at night, and then put your phone in airplane mode, and make sure that there's no electronics or lights anywhere around you. Um, There's some EMF meters that you can use. Trifield meters is a good one off of Amazon uh, that will help you kind of more granularly understand your EMF exposure at night. But I would say to start, you know, turn off your Wi-Fi, put your phone on airplane mode, keep it away from your bed, ideally in a different room, And then make sure you're not, you don't have electronics or lights. This includes fans, you know, ceiling fans are okay. But if if you're going to be extreme like me and you're going to turn off the electricity to your bedroom at night, uh, your ceiling fan won't work, but uh, it's worth it. So make sure there's no electronics or lights anywhere near you. um, And then use an EMF meter to, to understand more granularly if you want to. The next one is to stay cool. You know, we talked about temperature. The ideal sleep temperature for humans is between 64 and 68 degrees. You want to make sure you're under that 68 degree threshold uh, to help your body's core body temperature stay low and help prolong the stage two and ideally stage three sleep where you're getting that deep sleep, the most restful and recuperative sleep of your sleep architecture. Uh, That temperature is really important. So stay cool. Um, And then... Noise exposure is another one. Reduce non-native noise exposure. So this can take the form of earplugs or headphones. Um, actually, fuck that. Don't wear headphones. You don't want to be exposed to electronics all night, um, as, as I just talked about. So earplugs work. I, ideally, control your environment. I've been in apartments before where that's harder to do, so earplugs help. Um, but just limit noise exposure because that noise exposure can reduce um, sleep consistency and when you're in the lighter stages of sleep being stage one and stage four you're much more prone to waking up to noise exposure uh, and then another big one is be consistent like a consistent regular sleep pattern is a crucial component of optimized circadian biology so you want to make sure you know for me i go to bed every night at nine thirty, and i wake up at five thirty or 6 and the beautiful thing about that is i don't need an alarm my body just wakes up and i know what time it is because it's like oh like i feel pretty rested you know that the amount of light coming in through my blinds is recognizable and i know that i've gotten my full night's sleep and it's time for me to wake up and attack the day so being consistent setting a uh, recurring sleep schedule and i think working backwards from prioritizing sleep so that you can be the best version of yourself in all er- other areas of your life is ha- that has been a huge uh, hack or um Upgrade in my life, like once I've started prioritizing sleep first, and then allowing the best version of Ben to move through the world in my work, social, emotional, and intellectual commitments. I've seen huge dividends, and I know that you will too. The, the second, the next one is eat your liver and mind your magnesium. So we talked about retinol, vitamin A, and magnesium as an important cofactor in over 300 enzymatic reactions in your body. Um, these are two crucial micronutrients. For your circadian biology, and two, that you need to mind very carefully. Uh, that said, the, n- the next point is don't eat before bed. Um, there's a lot of interesting research on this. Something, again, tangential, that I learned recently that I thought was really interesting was as melatonin, which is a, a, a signal or um, a hormone, is it, is it a hormone? Kind of break my own rule. And Google while I'm podcasting. Yes, melatonin is a hormone. So it, it's it's a hormone that your body produces in, a, in your brain's response to darkness. And as melatonin increases, that increases at night as you're getting ready to go to bed. And then it starts to decrease in the morning. As melatonin increases, it effectively turns off your pancreas. So your body's ability to take insulin or, I'm sorry, your body's ability to use, to produce and use insulin to remove sugar from your blood and lower your blood sugar levels is greatly reduced or even neutralized by the presence of melatonin in your bloodstream. So not eating before, or not eating three to four hours before you go to bed has a couple crucial components. One is that your body's able to digest that food, get it out of your stomach, get it out of your intestines, and partition the inputs from that food before you lay down to go to sleep so that your body doesn't have this really complex and demanding process of digestion while you want to rest and recover. So one, it creates space physically and biologically for your body to do the work that it needs to when sleeping. Uh, And second, eating close to bed when your melatonin levels are high, even in non-diabetic individuals, you can have a diabetic-esque response to carbohydrate because melatonin in your bloodstream effectively neuters your pancreas and your body's ability to produce insulin and remove that sugar from your blood. So this has interesting implications for the dietary decisions you make in the morning as well. You don't want to wake up and have a bolus of carbohydrates within the first two hours of your day because it takes some time once your body wakes up to increase cortisol levels and remove melatonin from your bloodstream. And if you eat a bunch of carbohydrates before you go to bed or right when you wake up, even as a metabolically healthy person, you can have a deranged response to that blood glucose because melatonin has effectively uh, neutered your pancreas. So that's fascinating. <laughs> Sorry for the tangent, but I that, that just blew my mind when I learned that the other day. So I wanted to share that. So not eating before bed is huge. Um, consuming large regular meals before bed increases susceptibility to weight gain, obesity, and DNA mutations. Um, this isn't a major issue with small nutrient-dense stacks like liver or warm um, bone broth before bed like protein or protein and small amounts of fat before bed are better than carbohydrate because of that dynamic that i just referenced with melatonin and your pancreas and insulin but i find that i do better if i don't eat anything i try and eat my last meal by 5 p.m and then as i go to bed at 9:30, it's been four and a half hours my digestion is done my stomach is clear and my sleep quality is way better i I'm, i've mentioned this before but i use a Uh, polar chest strap heart rate monitor to track my heart rate variability and my resting heart rate in the morning. And one of the easiest ways for me to see a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, gosh, brain fart. One of the easiest ways for me to have a poor uh, reading in the morning is to eat before bed. Like if I have a large meal before I go to sleep, um, my heart rate is consistently higher and my res- my heart rate variability is consistently lower. And if I, particularly when I'm fasting, those metrics are dialed in, but especially if I get more than four hours of, break between my last meal and sleep. Uh, I have a pretty consistent performance against those two metrics and it's just a really uh, easy and consistent way to quantify the impact of digestion on sleep. So don't eat before bed. Uh, the, ne- the next one is to shut your mouth. Uh, this is one I haven't heard a lot on. I feel like sleep has been uh, a popular topic in the health and wellness podcast sphere lately, but I haven't heard anyone talk about this. Uh, so I'm excited to, to, to highlight it here. Breathing through your nose is hugely important our body is adapt, adapted physiologically to filter air and kind of titrate the intake rate of air through our nose as opposed to our mouth. So breathing through your nose results in um, better oxygenation levels in your blood and a better parasympathetic tone or a more deep full or a more deep full, <laughs> a more deep uh, rested and um, calm response to, to stimulus. So Shutting your mouth is huge in maintaining airway anatomy, sleep quality, and detoxing the brain through our glymphatic system. Uh, You know, a perfect example of this is if you've tried to sleep when you have a wicked head cold or a sinus infection, it's hard. You know, you're snoring at night because your nasal passages are all blocked up. You're trying to breathe through your mouth. You know, being a mouth breather, I use that term as kind of a a derogatory term in my own social life because it's a funny term being a mouth breather. But it also results in like, you know, horrible morning breath, increased incidence of cavities, and it it really negatively impacts your oral microbiome because of the introduction of all this oxygen uh, when ideally your body would be breathing through your nose. So shutting your mouth is a huge one. Um your nose regulates at least 30 physiological processes, including the release of nitric oxide, which is a bronchodilator and a vasodilator, which means it helps blood flow more freely and it lowers your blood pressure and helps maintain homeostasis in your body. So there's a couple things you can use to help make sure you're breathing through your nose. They're a little extreme. You can tape your mouth shut, um, which is a short-term solution. Eventually you'll train yourself to breathe through your nose. Um, but in the short term, you know your your partner can make fun of you, and it can be a gag uh, when you go to tape your mouth shut every night when you go to sleep. But it's worth it; like it, it's it's hugely important. And then finally, um, sleeping on the ground. So our bodies were never meant to be disconnected from the electrons of the earth, and they were certainly never meant to be cradled in a modern cast <laughs> as a mattress. Um, so you can build your own beds off the ground. You know we use wool mattresses that are connected to the ground through these grounding mats. Um, you know, I talked earlier about grounding and its impact on parasympathetic tone and how our ancestors were constantly connected directly to the earth. And now we're really, you know, we've got tennis shoes, we've got cars, we've got blacktop. Uh, We we struggle to get that consistent signal from our environment. So sleeping on the ground is the last one. Um, and then finally, honorable mention, um, just say no. So drugs and alcohol, I know that a lot of people, my friends and myself included, when I've struggled for sleep onset, I thought that, oh, like a nightcap is a good way to help me fall asleep faster and to kind of get out of my own mind and the anxious rumination that I can sometimes succumb to in the evening. But alcohol and sleep drugs, like... Ambient, Unisom, you know, a lot of the over-the-counter medicines out there, they may help with sleep onset, but what the research has consistently shown is that they negatively impact the quality of your sleep architecture, and that's that stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four uh, um, cycle that you go through, uh, you know, three to four times overnight, so you really want to stay away from sleep drugs and alcohol to help sleep onset because the Really, the best way to get your sleep is to to follow the tenets that I mentioned above and let your body kind of achieve homeostasis naturally. So then to recap, um, the ultimate guide to ancestral sleep starts with getting early morning sun exposure. You follow that up by staying active throughout the day. You know, ideally work towards 10,000 steps. Get a 60 to 90 minute workout around resistance training and metabolic conditioning. Connect to the earth. Limit blue light light at night. Again, if you're going to do nothing else from the sleep guide, buy some blue light filtering glasses and wear them two hours before bed. Um, Stay cool. You know, the ideal sleep temperature is between 64 and 68 degrees, and that's because it helps our body's natural temperature cycle where our core body temperature drops at night to help us stay in a deep state of sleep. Uh, Reduce non-native noise exposure. If you've got noisy neighbors or you're in a noisy neighborhood close to the highway or by train tracks, wear some earplugs. Um, be consistent. Make sure that you're doing your best to sleep along the same timelines every day. For me, that's 9.30 p.m. to 5.30 to 6 a.m. Um, and then mind your vitamin A and your magnesium. Make sure you're eating liver. Liver is sometimes considered gross. Uh, ancestral supplements has a fantastic product of beef liver and or beef organs. Um, get your vitamin A from a retinol source. This has to be an animal source of vitamin A because it's the only place in nature where this bioavailable form of retinol, vitamin A exists. So eat your liver, mind your magnesium. I like to supplement with trace minerals, uh, iconic magnesium. It's like this kind of salty liquid that I drop. I take three to 400 milligrams in the evening. And when I wake up in the morning, uh, it's a super simple way to make sure that, especially in the Texas heat here when I'm sweating my ass off all the time, uh, my magnesium levels stay high. So mind your vitamin A, mind your magnesium don't eat before bed. Again, we talked about the impact of insulin or I'm sorry, melatonin on your ability to cr- produce insulin and pull sh- sugar from your blood. And then the importance of having your digestive system clear before you go to bed. So don't eat before bed, ideally three to four hours before you go to sleep. Uh, you should stop eating, finish your last meal. For me, I finish eating by four or 5 PM to go to bed at nine 30, uh, shut your mouth, Breathing through your nose is hugely important. You know, I could do a whole podcast on the importance of breathing through your nose, and I likely will. Um, Sleep on the ground. You know, do your best to stay connected to the earth. And then just say no. Did I talk about? I I think I skipped EMFs. (laughs) Limit EMFs. So turn off your cell phone. Turn off your Wi-Fi. And get electronics out of your bedroom. This was a huge one for me. And, you know, as I've articulated previously, uh, a component of ancestral living that I had belittled before I had a massive health crisis that was resolved uh, by coming down here to Texas and being in the ancestral environment that Brian and Barbara have created. And so it's one that I want to continue to harp on because of its impact in my own life. So limit EMFs was one that I skipped there on accident. Um, And then again, sleep on the ground and just say no to drugs, like alcohol and Ambien and Unisom and all of the OTC remedies um, that are marketed to us as ways to, to continue or to at least fall asleep faster um, because there's so much blue light exposure and other bullshit that we've got going on. So that's uh, a tangential and maybe random, but again, that's the way my brain works kind of synopsis on how you can optimize your sleep from an ancestral perspective. I hope you found that helpful. If you have any questions, you know, please reach out. I would love to answer them. Um, If you're listening, thank you. Uh, Please recommend this podcast to your friends. You can follow me on Instagram at humanupdated. You can check out our website at www.tipofthespear.co. I'll have podcast show notes posted there. um, And, you know, hit me up on Instagram. Send me an email at podcast at tipofthespear.co. Ask me questions. Tell me what I could do better. Again, this is podcast episode number two for me. (laughs) To be fully transparent, it's been... I had a hard time going from episode one where it was like me talking about myself and telling my story that came more naturally to me. But this kind of monologue piece where I'm trying to synthesize a lot of different pieces and articulate them by myself on the mic has been a little nerve wracking. So I know that I have a lot of work to do to be a better communicator and a better storyteller. And I'm going to continue working on that. And I would love your feedback to help me improve uh, and produce a more meaningful source of information and change in your life. Because the impacts on my own life of ancestral living have been so profound and I'm just, So excited to share the message with the world and help other people that I see suffering um, feel better and be better and create a more beautiful environment for us to raise kids and spend time with the people that we love. So until next time, um, the next podcast will be Ancestral Tenant number two, which is Eat Like Our Ancestors. So be excited for that. That's coming down uh, the pipe in the next week or so. Uh, And until next time, you know, be well, much love. We will talk to you guys soon.